Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Sinclair, and I'm here with my co-host, Drew Garrison. I I wish I wish everybody at home could see our guest face right now because <laughs> this was not that was not discussed. This was not discussed at all and and I'm glad I'm glad that you did it because I was like somewhat distracted because I got I have this I have this this off in the distance crying of my 3-year-old I'm just like waiting for Hensley to come crashing into the podcast and then you just oh, hit me with that. So so thank you, Chris. Thank you for for dropping that little, like, very stereotypical French accent on us. And I mean, you nailed it. I guess. Uh, I guess. I mean, for stereotypes, you know, who I was thinking, uh, uh, my my uh, stereotypical French accent is always the uh, the chef from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's my go to. That's that's what I got. Uh, it, while I was doing that, my wife texted me, um, "Who are you?" <laughs> that's that's a great right. question. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to sell me a, a a crepe, a stab me at night. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> All the that things. was that was a failed attempt. I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like even even with Jen asking those questions, you, I mean, I would always come back when Caitlin asked me similar ones when I do equally as embarrassing things where it's like, hey, you said yes to this. There was a moment. There was an agreement. Documents were signed. Oh, like, she knows for the long haul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I, I don't think that we, we want to delay it any anymore. We we do have an outstanding guest tonight that um, that we've already had to reel in a couple times because he's already dropped some gems on us and we wanted to save him for the actual discussion. But, but tonight's guest is uh, one of my favorite people that I really don't get to talk to enough. And we have this uniquely bizarre shared history where he's responsible for one of my worst sports memories of all time and possibly one of his best. Um, When he's not slinging amazing booze, he's usually sweating it up on the Instagram, inspiring people across the nation to take care of yourself. Our guest tonight is Maurice better known as Mo Brooks, the brand operations specialist for Samson and Surrey. Mo, thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, giving, giving our listeners the opportunity to, to hear some of your greatness. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then what are you sipping on right now? Wait, was that was that intro for me? Who the fuck was you talking about with all that great stuff? That was nice. I'm sitting over here blushing like, who is that guy? Like, it's okay, important. my mom will need to hear this. I got to go. Hey, run that back. I'm going to call my grandma and put her on FaceTime so she can hear this. So everyone that doesn't believe it, there's people out there that believe in me, goddammit. Um, you just need to tell them, but, like, hey, just listen to the first four minutes of the podcast. That's all you got to do, you know? Well, the, the, first, the first part about that sports memory is that there was actually two interceptions that should have been ran back, and mm. you were smart enough to strip me on one of them. Mm. But the second one, I, I you know, it 
uh, I mean, because I can tell you what happened in our huddle now because that happened. So yeah. Kev came over and he was like, hey, defense, I need to play. I'm like, hey, coach, I got you. And then you dropped back, felt the pressure. Then you threw up this beautiful spiral to, I don't know what you was looking at. And out of nowhere, Black Panther pounced, took the ball. So, so for, for some ahead. context, for mm. some context, we, um, we were playing in the Kettle One uh, inaugural flag football championships. It was the year that, this, that the Super Bowl was being played in Santa Clara. So mm-hmm. Kettle One put together this uh, this tournament between uh, I want to say it was, so we had San Francisco, uh, the East Bay, and then uh, Sacramento uh, playing on these flag football teams, and and we met in the championship game, and that pressure that you're talking about was put on by Al, and mm-hmm. that's something that still haunts me to this day because I, I feel like he his Mississippi's were counting a little faster than most people's Mississippi's. Um, well, but on he's the, a, he he has a good he's very he's a he's a good uh with his uh, linguistic skills so he can get out Mississippi faster than other people <laughs> and as long as he said Mississippi it counts yeah but um yeah I'll never forget the look on your face as you saw me break on the ball you just it was just oh shit and then I just looked at you and smiled because yeah it was I ran. it was it was funny because like you know like you like you had mentioned on the on the first interception and to be fair i threw a lot of touchdowns that day but i did throw a couple interceptions um yeah the the first one i got you when i when when you got me on the second one the the game was effectively over and so there is a picture and i know that you share this occasionally every couple of years on facebook when it fucking pops up where you're sprinting down the field with the football in the air celebrating and i'm and i'm in the in the forefront of the picture with my head down, knowing that I had let everybody down. And it is like, it is a perfect sport shot of just overall disappointment. And like, and then at the same time, elation and celebration and, and championship. So it was. And weren't um, you wearing a GoPro during all that too? I wore it for some of it because I thought it would, it, and you can actually watch it on my, on my YouTube. And it actually is pretty fun. Like the, the first part of it was, was really fun. And then um, there was a time when, when Al got me, and he like I threw the ball and he slapped at my feet and I went down and it was just like barreling into my chest like this this Ooh. GoPro. So I just was like I was like this is no longer worth it. I'm taking this off. So nobody um, needs a no, nobody needs a punctured lung. Uh, yeah, playing the, flag especially football, especially when you lose. Right. Ouch. Right. The the following year, you know they they played again and this but year not at Kizar. Not, yeah, not, not at Kizar and yeah. like in the mud and in that year. My youngest brother Michael played in it, which he was actually the talented football player in the family. And if I recall correctly, he beat you guys. Like he caught a touchdown pass on the last play of the game to beat San Francisco in order to win the championship uh, for Sacramento. So we actually no, we didn't. <laughs> you played. I think it was Oakland or someone you played because we didn't get. We didn't win a game. Uh, our quarterback that year um, wouldn't throw the ball. He he wouldn't throw the ball. That um, seems counterintuitive to quarterbacking. Th- that was the kind of when you have an entire sideline screaming, just throw it. I mean, at some point you would think he would just throw it, but <laughs> no. No. I have never seen that many sacks in flag football in my entire life. 
it was, and then he'd like get mad and like spike the ball and like walk back to the huddle. And I'm thinking, motherfucker, what you mad about? You ain't doing your job. Throw the ball. He's like, where is my offensive line? It's like, they're not coming. They're not coming. <laughs> oh, the blind side pressure's getting to me. I don't know what to do. Shut the fuck up. But hi, I'm Maurice Brooks, uh, born and raised in San Francisco. I uh, used to bartend for a long time. Now I don't. I slang that good Samson and Surrey juice. Um, wonderful portfolio. Bryn, Widow Jane, Few, um, Blue Coat Gin, Mezcal Vago, Tequila Ocho. I'm not forgetting anything. No, I'm not. Um, and I'm currently sipping on a um, ensemble from uh, Amigdo Harkin, which is uh, from 2018. So this is a Mexicano and Espadine and a Quiche. Um, super delicious. Um, some limited Vago. I'll actually bring this down and share the rest of this with you guys when I see you. Um, oh, I won't see you, but I'll see you on uh, Saturday. That's right. But um, yeah, I'm pretty boring. I box. I, you know, sell good alcohol and I work out and then I box and talk a lot of shit um yeah i mean i think you're i think i think you're doing a disservice not only to yourself but to to our listeners as well because i mean i think people have gotten some glimpses into into the personality and stuff like that but you know we work in this industry that it's hard to stay healthy and you've been on this mission over the past couple years where it's just been you know losing weight, staying active, doing things that you weren't doing before. And where I think a lot of people have the wherewithal to do it for a couple months, like then eventually like the kind of like the shine wears off on it. And you're kind of like, well, I don't really want to do that anymore. But like, you're not that person. You're still sharing that daily struggle or like, you know, whenever you do share those, like those posts and stuff. And I think it's important because it doesn't get easier. I mean, I've done the whole weight fluctuation thing too. And like, I'm, I'm at a, a much better place now than I was a year ago, but I still have lots of work to do. And I do think that there's, there's a lot to be said about that because this is a, this is an industry where you can make a lot of excuses and just kind of be like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? I drink alcohol for a living, but mm-hmm. like you're able to do that. Plus also stay active and push yourself in different ways. So I want to make sure that, I mean, I, I respect the fact you're being humble, but you're also being ridiculous. It's very, very motivational to see the uh, the workout stuff where it's kind of like, I don't feel like doing anything today. And then like you have this video of like you're sweating profusely. It's like, just got this workout in. I'm like, God damn it. Like I got to go do something now. So, um, Thank you. so I just want our listeners to know, to know that it's like, like, no, he's, he does get to work with arguably some of my favorite brands in the world for sure my go-to tequila is tequila Ocho and it's not close people in, and that's like the one I, I, there's zero hesitations. Like you could probably get me to like think a lot about like what my favorite mezcal is and things like that. But when it comes to tequila, it's not close. It's tequila Ocho. And that is the first thing out of my mouth. And the best thing about that is that there's so much variety within those different um, years and releases and stuff like that too, that it keeps you coming back. So um, I'm very jealous that you get to work with that brand. Well, you're going to be missing out on some 08. I'm going to be bringing some 08 Reposado down the Good Bottle on uh, for Juneteenth. So uh, 
maybe uh, there might be a pour down or something left for you. But yeah, I'm bringing some 08 Reposado down, baby. I'll leave some 50 mLs behind with my name on them. Yeah, you might want like, to do that. You might like, want to do that. Put tequila here before you leave. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, you'll I, be lucky. I appreciate the appreciate the workout. Shout out, man. I'm up at 7:30 in the morning, grinding in the gym, punching people in the face or getting punched. Then sometimes I'll go back and go and get it in a second time. That's so yeah, awesome. appreciate that, man. It's a lot. You of know, fun. what's funny about that is I'm up at 7:30 in the morning getting punched in the face too, but she's like one and a half, and uh, and I'm not allowed to punch <laughs> back. So. Chris, so what you got? You got to slip the jab. And throw the cross. So as soon as you slip the jab, just pow, just throw the two real fast and pivot. So when you connect, you can transfer all that force right into the forehead. Just pow. You probably send, send Carmela just flying across the room. It'd be send great. my baby right right into the uh, right into the couch. <laughs> It'd be hey, an Chris, right, Chris, what are you that drinking? Or she might slip and punch you in the nuts. Like ah, pow, got you, daddy. If I teach her right. Well, I'm now teaching yeah. kids how to box, so you know I'll come down and give her some little baby lessons. There we go. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Oh man, I am. Uh, I'm sipping on uh, the Rye Three Cask Strength, the very first cask strength uh, uh, selection of Rye Three in California. Uh, it was our barrel pick uh, of the Rye Three at Good Bottle uh, that we partnered with uh, Jason Lockhart over at Locked Barrel to to choose and uh, Drew, you were the one who brought us that those samples, so you know, thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, it's uh, a cool whiskey. I'm yeah, glad, glad that you guys were able to do it. Um, I, I actually uh, really f- interesting story is we when, when Jason and I tasted this uh, when you originally brought it to us, we were both like, yeah, this is our favorite one out of the selection, and um, um, but this one it it's fine, like it's good, like and we both decided we would do it just because it was you, Drew. Um, but then, but then it showed up, uh, the, it showed up and, and I, I cracked open the bottle. I was like, oh, this is not what I tasted. Like, this is, this is really good. Uh, and so this, this, this pick actually has ended up being one of my favorite picks that, that we've had so far. Um, the extra month or two that it just spent in the barrel, um, throughout the process and then being bottled and resting just a little bit longer, really everything just kind of came together in that like sort of second day soup sort of way. And this, this shit's delicious, man. Um, I, I really enjoy it. Um, also another fun fact that I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out because I am in fact an emotional 12 year old is that, uh, I am drinking bottle number 69. Um, <laughs> and it makes me very happy. That is that is important. Uh, you know, I, I I think we've I think we've probably all been part of different like barrel selections and things at different points, and it's it's always um, such like a fun and unique experience that that you get to participate in. But I know with the ones that I've done, and especially with some um, some rum ones that I've done recently, because there's a lot of pressure I think when it comes to rum because so many people feel a certain way about it that you're kind of like this needs to be amazing or uh or i you know we just spent all this money on a freaking barrel because you're right those things can change in the time that you make that selection to when it's actually bottled um and there's been a few times where like when we did that montana rum barrel and my buddy was looking at my face and he was just like he's like there was a brief moment where there was nothing but panic on your face as you took that first sip and it was just kind of like oh my god but you know 
more often than not, I do think that those things tend to get better, you know, with just a little bit more time. So I'm glad that it went from okay in a friendship pick to this is fucking amazing. <laughs> it's, it uh, is fucking everybody amazing. Everybody needs to drink it. What was what was the final ABV on that one? Uh, 61.9. Oh my god, god damn. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a hot baby. Um, a hot baby, motherfucker. That's that's two babies right there. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> uh, to tonight, I, I'm on the um, the weight loss kick uh, uh, that you know Drew. <laughs> is that Caitlin in the background? Uh, that's uh, um, on that on the um, sorry on the weight loss kick. <clears throat> Uh, and trying to be healthier as well. So I've, I, I actually, this is my first like real sip of booze that I've had. I've had this month, uh, trying to drop some LBs cause I'm the heaviest I've ever been in my life. Um, and, uh, also am eating very few calories. So tonight I rewarded myself with a touch of whiskey and, uh, and, uh, a single, uh, Giribaldi, 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 no, Giribaldi, there we go. Giribaldi. Giardelli. Giribaldi's the fucking artist. Uh, Giardelli. Yes. Uh, chocolate. Um, That's that 61 proof, y'all. It is. You on that 61. <laughs> to me. Uh, and I will say, uh, the, the dark chocolate brought out some really beautiful banana notes that I had never tasted before. And uh, You're welcome. And, and uh, it's it's great. Mm. Uh, you are sexual chocolate. not uh, you're, You happen to be dark. Uh, <laughs> Not actually dark, motherfucker. It's this background that no one can see. I had to go put on a pink shirt because when I got on camera and I was wearing all black, it was I'ma say it. It looked like a looked like a mannequin came to life and just started talking to people like, hey, how's it going? What's up? <laughs> hey guys, I got a question. Since y'all losing weight, how about we like have like a little challenge? I'm down and like get some extra motivation and lose some more weight. I'll yes. stop myself for like two weeks. All right. Yes. Damn it. I'm down. I and think this is this do... is being recorded too, so we're all fucked. God damn it, Mo. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I did it. So, so because we're all at different points, right? In the in the weight loss journey, and and Chris definitely has the most to lose right now, um, and probably <laughs> quickly. Uh, we do a we do a percentage. Okay, so we so we'll we'll weigh in, we'll we'll talk about it, we'll we'll set up some parameters, and then we'll do a percentage lost. So like the first one to lose X amount uh, percentage wise. So that way it's a little bit more scaled on on what we're doing because because uh, we're all very different sizes. So I'm in. I'm totally in though. I love this kind of stuff. This is what helped me last year. Like really got rid of like a ton of bad a bad weight, and and I'm and I'm doing my. Uh, my cycling one right now anyways. So I'm in. This is great. Uh, Chris, you're in now. So yeah, I guess idea, I don't though. have a fucking choice, do I? No, you don't. Nope. It's in the world. It's forever. Mm. Um, okay. So I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm drinking the, uh, the end of nowhere rosé that I picked up this, this past weekend through former guest, uh, Nadia, Nadia's events. And um, this was this was a really fun one because this is a natural wine and it's actually a natural wine from California that I enjoyed, which I find is become very very hard to do. Um, and I just really really enjoyed the the winemaker Chris, and he was just had like uh, so this is 
This is aged in neutral French oak barrels from September 2020 to March 2021. And so when I was asking them about the about the barrels themselves, they're like, like, yeah, they're like 10 years old. So they're literally doing nothing to this wine. You know, like they're just vessels. And uh, I'll eventually, you know, I'll, I'll take the picture and I'll put it on our Instagram. But the color on this rosé is ridiculous. It's like a really deep, dark red. And it's still, like, I mean, it still comes off as rosé-esque. But it's just uh, cute. Looks like just, cranberry juice. Yeah, yeah that's kind of red. You can uh, even see how deep red how deep red it is. In the and and even when I was talking about, it, they were. I mean, even the producers themselves were like, like we this makes no sense to us. We don't know why it came out like this. I mean, they're used they're using it as a Vendel grape, which is very very common in the Amador area, um, and it did not look like this at all last year. Which is which again, I think is just a testament to like what makes you know, that, that natural wine process so much fun to experience where it's just kind of like uh, that. And then the other thing that we talked about, which I really enjoyed about this winery was they want to create wines that when you put them into a lineup of just even like, you know, whatever, whatever the lineup is of just wines in general, like it doesn't stand out in an offensive way. It's kind of like, oh yeah, that just tastes like good wine. And I think that's the right mentality to have because sometimes with these natural wines, it's about being like over the top funky and weird. And you're just kind of like, you drink it and, you know, into, and I've seen a lot of people like, like, Oh, isn't it just amazing? Like how funky it is. It's like, no, this is not what I'm, I guess this is mm-hmm. what happens when you don't do it right. Is that what we're celebrating right now? Is that you just threw it in a tank and you're just kind of like, we didn't do anything to it. I was like, well, you should have, you should have done something here. <laughs> because <laughs> The final product that you're making me pay for isn't fair. Like this is not how these transactions should work. Um, so, so I, I really like that that mindset that they have, where it's like we we want it to be good and we don't want it to be like like clearly different in the grand scheme of uh, of the wine lineup. So, uh, so the end of nowhere and it's out of um, their tasting room is in Amador City, which is like it's one of those towns that if you if you blink, you miss, you legitimately can miss the town. It's that small. It's like right next to Sutter Creek, which apparently is where gold was actually struck and, and things like that. So, so it's a cool little small town. And then, um, and there was also just like when, when we got there, they had this uh, art ex- exhibition going on where they had some really dope artwork all over the walls that they had done a pop-up for. And Chris, I sent you some of those pictures and it was really, really cool. Yeah, and then of course, art. with it being uh, pride month, the, the, this little town, which again, there's like five buildings on each side, but they all had like pride flags all the way down. And so uh, if you're familiar with Northern California at all, it tends to get a little bit more red as you go further north. And not, um, not just they, a little, like very, very. Okay. Well, it's, it, it gets red when you go to certain neighborhoods in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so one of the things that they, that they said is like, you know, they, they like to joke that they're the little blue spot in uh amador county which i thought was like was like yeah no that totally makes sense for for where we're at right now but it's a it's a really cool tasting room and actually their food was really good too so so go check that out but now i think it's time for uh our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources Yeah, you ready for the ready for the news? I think it's your sight. That was like, um, damn! I almost felt like that was like I was ready for the climax after that. That was, <laughs> ooh. 
you know, I, it's like what I what I love about that is the reactions that we get out of our friends, but then also the disappointment knowing that they never listen to the show. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoy it, but you know, we'll we'll get you we'll get you in the rotation. We'll 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 make it there. Um, so, first story that we're covering today is a 2020 Bordeaux is the highest scoring vintage ever. Uh, and this is a, a wine that um, we've already discussed pretty uh, t- to the point where Mo has all kinds of fun things to share with us. But this is one that actually scored higher, uh, 10 points higher than any previous vintage. And to the point where it was quoted saying that uh, even as good as it was, it didn't, ri- it didn't raise the tide for the rest of the boats from this vintage. So it's a very, very special wine. Um, so with, with that being, with that being said, and, and Moe, like you said, you, you've already had some thoughts, but as you read through this, one of the things that you were a little critical of wine people. Um, so I want to, I want to come back to that. What were, what were your thoughts? Like, what were your thoughts when you were, when you were reading this and when you, when you're making the assessment, I know I kind of sold you out here. My fault. So I just want to say, look, wine people, I love y'all. Okay. I ain't got nothing against no wine people. I just think. That, you know, it's like, what kind of scale are you grading on, man? Like, where, where, is there like a template for this? Is there like a, a rule book? Or it probably is. But is there like some way <laughs> that the common the common person can like go to a tasting room and taste this and rate this next to like, you know, something from Sutter Creek or something like that, that we can say this is the highest. This should be 10 points higher than something. Because to me... It just sounds like I'm going to find a way to take more money out your pocket. And if you don't like it, oh, well, because once you open it, you can't sell it back. Right. But I don't know. I I mean, I hate to be I hate to be a pessimist there. And this actually this thought just hit me. But, uh, you know, the the imports, especially on French wine, have like have taken a pretty significant hit over the past year for, for multiple reasons. Obviously the chief one among them being, being the pandemic. And, and at the end of this article, it talks about how there's still a lot of these, these, these Bordeaux vintages from 2020, like still available. And it just got me thinking, it was kind of like, like, is this something that, you know, kind of like the wine world comes together, at least the people who are behind your Bordeaux region are just kind of like, we need to get some good press out there to really move a bunch of stuff that we're sitting on because we're only, we're only a few months out from the next harvest. We're going to have a lot more wine hitting the shelves over the next few months as things get bottled and, and things like that. And so I'm just curious, like Chris, is there any possibility that this is more marketing than anything else? I mean, there's always possibility, but I, you know, I, <clears throat> I think uh, you both are, uh, old and jaded and have been in this industry for too long and have seen beyond the veil too much. Uh, I, uh, I, for one was very excited about this. Um, uh, <laughs> you can flip me off all you want, Mo. Uh, but you know, I, uh, I, I, I liked this. I was like, man, this is like, I got excited about this. I, I, out of, out of 115 top wines in a basket, the 2020 Bordeaux Vintage was awarded the uh, uh, the highest scores ever by Wine Lister Partners critics. That's pretty damn cool. Like that's 
sure they might have been influenced there might there might be a you know a uh ulterior motive here um i i don't think bordeaux needs the help though i mean out of all the regions in the world for growing wine the most expensive regions in the world are napa and bordeaux everywhere else in the world wines wines tend to be pretty moderately priced uh bordeaux wines are very very expensive um, and I don't think, you know, I don't think that they really need the help. Now, they also have the money that they could have theoretically paid, paid Harper's Magazine to write this, this article for them. Uh, it seems, uh, though, that that would probably require a little bit too much cooperation uh, between the brands uh, that are uh, historically a little bit more... Um, uh, at arms with each other, you know, trying to trying to outdo each other. So but at the same time, what it's like if Orville Redenbacher came out and they said we have refined our popcorn formula and this is new improved butter and this is the new butter flavor and it's just super delicious. Even vegan people could have it. It's like this is vegan butter. Like I guarantee you, over Red and Bacher sales are going to go up. I'm not saying it's not good because the wine might be good, but I think it's probably a mix of the a mix of both. I mean, I mean there there has to be some some kind of element of marketing, and it's probably not quite Shaq. So, so let me ask you guys this because you're both you're both or all three of us are in positions of of sales when it comes to alcohol and. Um, it does. It does seem like there there are certain ones that really move the be, the meter. So like in the whiskey world, you know, the whiskey advocate top twenty lists. Like you know, if you're the number one whiskey or even in the top five, like you're probably going to move quite a few cases immediately after that. With with wine scores, it it does tend to carry or it seems to carry a lot more weight because every single one is individually rated and people tend to talk about it a lot more. But from the sales perspective. And, and Mo, I'm going to start with you because, again, you have one of, like, the dopest portfolios. Um, is there – I mean, or is there or have you ever been able to to take some of these – some of these awards or some of these acknowledgments from the industry in order to help sell some of your product? I mean, even though, like, it's great. I'm not saying that anything's paid for or anything like that, but, like – I mean, do you see it as an advantage or um, is it something that you've been able to to use in your day to day? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, because sometimes you'll walk into a bar, you'll walk into a place and, you know, people are like, oh, my God, I don't, another rat or another. Like, what, what are you going to what else are you going to tell me? You know, and sometimes they believe that ink and the ink is important. And sometimes I don't have to I'll walk in and they've already read the ink or they know about it or they're asking me about it because of where it was. You know, they read it in some publication. So for sure, it helps because, I mean, again, those those are eyes and ears that ears, depending on if they're listening to it, um, that, you know, I don't know. And I'm not going to get a chance to see because I don't have a magazine. I'm not able to reach. You know, I don't have I'm not sending a newsletter to somebody's house. So, you know, if you got a picture of me in there, that's going to boost whatever I'm doing. So, yeah, of course, it definitely helps. And so, so Chris, for you, you know, you, you carry a pretty esoteric collection of wines, you know, at Good Bottle. That's a nice way and, of saying I don't like to make money. Well, I tell you that enough every other day, so I don't need to tell you right now. Um, 
but you but it's not necessarily a group of wines that that you're like that you're seeing like the the 95s and 96s and stuff like that like and and I don't want anybody to get this twisted at home Chris is for sure the person that I trust the most when it comes to wine now like I'm always walking away with bottles from there so like the stuff is the stuff is amazing but it's also stuff that you have to do a little bit more research in and things like that like is I mean, do you have stuff that has like the 91 bottles? Have you ever sold a bottle like via that that system? Kind of like, oh, well, this one scored 90, 95 points. Is that ever a conversation that's taken place at Good Bottle? That um, between us and the customers, that has never, never once happened. Um, now, have we sold bottles that have rated highly via like wine enthusiasts and whatnot? Oh, definitely. Like we have. We have 95. We have we have uh, currently on the shelf a single bottle of uh, a 99 or a 98 point champagne uh, sitting on the shelf right now, which is like one of the highest rated bottles. And I don't want to tell anybody what it is because I'm not charging enough for it. Um, but if you come into if you come into Good Bottle and you happen to see a single bottle of champagne sitting there, you'll kind of hard to to not know which one it is if you also happen to listen to this podcast once again terrible at making money yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're like i have it's this definitely. really great bottle it's super delicious not yeah. gonna tell you what it is that's it's right for me only <laughs> no i already i already had my bottle uh i had it for uh for new year's last year it was fucking delicious um so that was great um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful bottle of champagne, uh, sitting there just waiting, waiting for, waiting to find, uh, the perfect home for, uh, someone who knows what it is. Oh man. Well, uh, I know most of the wines that most of the wines that I have, um, don't make it onto those lists and yeah, it's uh, true. I mean, I, the hard part about those lists are, are, um, and the good part about those lists, right? Like we drew not you and I have talked about this about about um, about a lot of these a lot of these lists, a lot of these these rating systems. Um, the, it really comes down to over time if you trust if you trust the the system, if you trust whoever's making the list, getting to know them uh, through through their ratings, right? Like so, if you drink a ninety nine or a ninety eight or a ninety five point wine, do you like it? If you don't like it, it doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means that like that's not your that's not your style, right? Like that's not that's not your your steez. That's not what you want. So you can find somebody else whose palate you do trust, who also has like a rating system or, or whatnot. I I for one don't personally like rating systems um, because they're so subjective. But also we live in, in a world where we get to drink whatever we want, kind of whenever we want. And so we're not we're not the ones that those rating systems are meant for. Right. They're meant yeah. they're meant for someone who is casually going to like go to the store and go, okay, well, I'm going to some friend's house. I don't know shit about wine, or I only know like a little bit about wine. I don't drink white wines because that's meant for cooking. So where do I find like a cool Australian wine? Because my friends you know, brother-in-law is from Australia. Okay, cool. Now this one was rated 95 points. Cool. I'm going to get that Penfolds then. Dope. Yeah. It's a, it's pretty standard, standard issue. Um, 
but when it comes to when it comes to picking wines for yourself, did is there is there anybody that you that you trust in, or like how do you feel about your your wine uh, picking decision process? I mean, when it comes to me and wine, I definitely am a fan of natural wines. Um, I've I've become a fan of natural wines, and I like like Rieslings and like Sancerres and stuff like that. Um, kind of across the the board as far as like I guess within that range, I like Albarinos too. Mm. Um, not a real big heavy red guy. Um, I've had a few that I've had that I've liked, but I'm someone that'll try pretty much anything because I'm not. That's not that's not my area of expertise. You know, I I'm not someone that's gonna say, oh, I'm not gonna try it because I've had one before and I didn't like it because I've been proven wrong before. So I'm definitely someone that when it comes to that, I'll lean on, you know, like when I come down to sack, you know, like last time I was down there, I bought a couple of bottles of wine from Chris. So I'll probably buy a couple of more because I know he knows more than I do. Um, but, you know, when I go to places that are stores that I trust or someone that I know, you know, I hit them up and ask them and, and kind of go from there. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely the route to go. I mean, you know, lean, lean on the experts and, and um, kind of go from there. Like, like I said, for, for me, I'm usually going with Chris's suggestions and then, um, and that's, that's kind of it. I've, I've been burned by too many other people at this point, uh, <laughs> to, to do it any other way, but that's all I got. I do have an amazing palette. So you're welcome world. <laughs> okay. So we're staying in the wine world, but we're going into the world of, I guess, theft and criminal activities and all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, there was a police operation known as Ironside in Australia that has reportedly seen 224 people in as many as 20 countries charged with an array of offenses. Um, there was a operation known as Trojan Shield that took place in Europe, in the United States, under the direction of, F of the FBI, where they were able to uncover eight tons of cocaine 22 tons of marijuana and hashish, two tons of metaphines and amphetamines, 250 firearms, 55 luxury vehicles, and more than $48 million in cash and cryptocurrencies. I have lots of questions about the cryptocurrencies, but we're going to table that for another day. But the thing that makes it relevant to this podcast is there were two sets of, oddly enough, the Penfolds Grange that were also seized in this, and each one is worth roughly $400 thousand dollars based on recent auction prices which basically means that this was the sting of the century almost simply based on the wine alone so when i came across this like i was blown away by that number that um first of all people are paying four hundred thousand dollars for you know a, for a set of wine um but mo when you read this what were some of your thoughts my first thought was what did they not tell us about that they took? Because I'm sorry, when you got that much money, that much drugs and everything else, everything don't make it to lock up, man. Like you tell, <laughs> I'm sorry, if, if I'm making a sting and I see it's like $200,000 sitting there, ain't nobody watching me and I know I could fit that in like my front pocket, you better believe I'm getting that 200000 they yeah. gonna, I mean, what they gonna say? We got forty eight million. They don't care. We just give them the dope and the cocaine. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, but uh, it's 
it's also too, I guess it's that idea of, of like, it's insane to think somebody would pay that amount of money for any fucking juice anywhere, man. Like why, why, what, what, what can you tell me about them grapes and the feet that was on them grapes that squeezed that juice out in that bottle that makes it worth that money? Because I'm, I've never had nothing that was worth 400, $400,000. I hope I do. Please, Lord, bless me. But yeah, I, what? Get out of here. Get out well, of here. And so the so so this thing um, did Jesus make it? It, it? it targeted alleged drug syndicates, contract killers, and arms dealers. Um, and so I mean, so to me, like like I hear that, and I'm kind of like I'm like, you know, oh look at these look at these arms dealers with like really great taste in wine. Like good for them. Like that's that's one of my big takeaways because so often I feel like people with uber amounts of money like drink really awful stuff. And I guess like my positive takeaway is it's like hey, at least they're drinking really really good wine because uh that's the thing. Now, Chris, question for you is so all this stuff has been seized. What happens to the wine now? Here's my fear right is that it goes into lockup that is not temperature controlled and the wine just goes so bad <laughs> that's such a that's such a wine nerd thing to be like concerned about like it's just, just gonna like, like again. it's gonna sit in a trailer like in a hundred degree heat somewhere like in the desert right like uh in australia somewhere uh the, first of all this sting like um we don't have enough time or scope uh, on, on this podcast to really like discuss this thing. This thing is incredible. It's amazing. And it's like, it's so beautifully orchestrated uh, at some point in time, they're going to make a movie of it. It it's just incredible. Um, the, the fact that like someone in the FBI was like, mm, we can do this. And they were like, yeah, we, we probably can do this. And they just they crushed the the you know the underworld as it were um, with uh, with their own telephones that they just put out into the universe and a bunch of a bunch of criminals were like yeah sure we'll take this telephone cool um, <laughs> uh, and the fact that they ended up with bottles of wine I mean that's honestly like mo like that's fuck you money right like that's just money that like when you have so much money you don't know what to do with it uh, those bottles of wine are are works of art right like so there probably weren't i mean the likelihood of those bottles actually getting consumed i would imagine would be very low they were probably investments mm -hmm. really right like they were probably like sitting there just waiting to either get resold as a way of like washing money um but if someone did crack them open i i, I doubt it would be worth four hundred thousand dollars but i hope that it would be That'd be really I think cool. probably it, just I, really it's probably grape juice, but it's also yeah, my, but it's my, also not just like a single bottle, right? It was like it's a complete set, which is very rare to find. Yeah, right? I think that I think the thing that concerns me the most now is definitely the storage of those bottles because, you know, now my basis for this is just movies I've seen where things have taken place and or your local PD and their big drug bust photos, right? Where they just lay everything out and they just look ridiculous when they do that. Right. So you can imagine 22 tons of cocaine and, and all this different stuff. And it's all eventually, you know, potentially brought back to the same place. And you're just kind of like, you know, 
was there a guy or or a gal was just kind of like, hey guys, by the way, like maybe we should store this wine a certain way. Like, you know, they had some comments from some auction houses in this article and it, you know, they really described the wine as like a collector's dream. Right. And I, and I would have to assume that was their first thought was like, what are you doing with it? Like, where does, where does it go? And then eventually if it is, if, if, you know, against all odds, it's, it's stored properly and, and it, and it makes it out the other end of, of this whole situation through trials and whatever the hell is going to happen. It's just kind of like, what happens to this stuff? Like, does it just, does it just sit properly stored or improperly stored for the rest of its, you know, life in the, in an evidence locker? Like, I just, I feel like I need, like, like this might be like an ongoing thing that, that I, that I'm not gonna be able to let go for, for a long time. Like does, can, can either one of you guys offer any insight into potentially what might happen to this? Cause I feel like I'm at a total loss right now. No, I feel like we need to, I, I feel like we need to get a hold of like some, uh, someone from the FBI to like, at least give us, give us a sense of like ease and closure on this, because this is going to, this is going to eat away at me as well. I had this fear that it's like, um, you know, the end of Indiana Jones, uh, uh, where they take the, the arc, you know, yeah. and it goes into the warehouse and the huge warehouse. Yeah. The yeah, huge yeah, warehouse yeah, yeah. and everything's like all boarded up. And I'm like, I'm terrified that this, this wine's going to sit in like one of those wooden crates somewhere, just like in a hot, hot warehouse somewhere. I mean, I, I hope that they give it to the wine owner down the street. That's what I hope they do. I hope they give it to, to crackhead Pete. And they're like, you know what? We don't know what to do with this. And he just cracks it open and he goes down the street and bends the corner and pulls up in a shopping cart and shares it with all of his friends. Because, you know, it's like at the end of the it's never it's not gonna make it back on the streets. It's not gonna get circulated back out there. It's evidence now. Like the police can't sell that. They can't like I mean they what they I mean, so give it to somebody else. Give it to some homeless dude. Give it to someone that's probably had a horrible day and don't even know what they're drinking. Just let them enjoy it. Because whoever bought it they didn't probably kill quite a few people for it, stuck some cocaine in places where you don't want it, all types of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Where, yeah. where, let's where do you stick happen. cocaine that you don't want it? Maybe that's, you for ever a, had cocaine? maybe that's for a different podcast. You ever put cocaine in your earlobe? I can't say that I have. Okay, I haven't either, but I'm guessing it's probably <laughs> not the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> that's so specific. <laughs> It's so specific. <laughs> like, that would make somebody uncomfortable. <laughs> there's, there's all these cocaine movies for all time. Like, they could be a point of reference in your, like, earlobe. I'm going with earlobe. This is, this is where this goes. That shit on a Q-tip and just rub it in there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, make sure to get it right past the drum, right under the drum. Uh. Well, now we know where to potentially get higher maybe i don't know i, I don't know here's a ringing baby there's a there's a whole segment that we just clearly don't understand of of cocaine use um yes i i i do plan on kind of making this uh my mission to at least maybe find similar cases of like maybe what has happened in the past to to similar items because i just i just have to know because i i think you're right mo it's like you're not they can't sell this stuff I mean, maybe there's the option of of giving it back to Penfolds, you know, like 
here's some wine that is worth a ton of money that you made you well, know, years and years I, and years I ago? I think that there's, I, there's a point point of detail that we really need to uh, point out here, which is um, this this bus happened in Australia, right? It didn't happen yeah. in America. So it wasn't the FBI that got it. The FBI assisted in the bust. Well, they they ran the whole operation, right? But it's, and but it's their jurisdiction, so they they choose their their uh, uh, operational procedures are going to be totally different than ours. Maybe they'll be more open with their information. It Maybe. never made out of Australia. They got that. They cracked that shit on the day. It was probably $96 million. They only reported 48. You best believe half their police force, they got new Jaguars, Aston Martins. Somebody is butt naked taking a shower with a whole set of pinfolds. It's going down in Australia right now. It's wallabies and kangaroos everywhere. They're putting cocaine on every single elbow and earlobe that they can find. <laughs> They're putting it on their kids' earlobes. Like it's just. Come here, little Jack. Put this in your eyeball. They're putting it, they're like trying to smuggle it into like kangaroos' pouches. Terrible. I love Australia. <laughs> you know who's dope? Them over there. And now, time for our dope follows of the week, which is my favorite section. And this is where we're going to tell you who to follow. It could be an Instagram account, a book, a uh, podcast, hopefully not a local podcast like the one I did a little off the top last week. <laughs> and I think I started a little beef with them, which is great. Um, but uh, just somebody in general that we think is super awesome that we want people to go out and, and follow as well. So, so Chris, I'm actually going to start with you. Who is your dope follow this week? Uh, mine's a cooking book this week, uh, as as uh, as per my last email, um, as as per our previous conversation about losing weight and what have you. Also, again, fuck you guys for making me uh, do a goddamn competition. I was trying to be like sustainably healthy, but now I've got to like do a bunch of like speed, I guess, just to like catch up to you guys. Um, uh, my uh, my mother in law bought me bought me this great. Uh, uh, cookbook by Eric Repair. Um, if uh, for those of you who don't know Chef Repair, he is uh, he was uh, Anthony Bourdain's like best friend, like super homie. Uh, he's the French guy that always traveled with him. They look incredibly similar. Um, but this this book is called Vegetable Simple. It's a beautiful book. Um, uh, takes really complex, uh, medium to to complex cooking techniques and boils it down to really consumable, easy methodology um, and really just focuses in on accentuating the, uh, the flavors of uh, like individual specific vegetables. Uh, for instance, yesterday I ate an amazing carrot salad. I had never in my life thought about eating a carrot salad. I think the only salad I ever had carrots in was probably like coleslaw um, with like mayonnaise and then you know that's delicious but um Ugh. it was this really great uh don't uh mayonnaise mayonnaise is delicious <laughs> i didn't say fucking oh, well, 
mayonnaise salad with carrots in it and some lettuce and shit. That's delicious. Shut up. I just, I just, this might be like the only episode that we release a video of because Mo's reactions to so many things that have been said so far. There's just, there's just no hiding his true feelings at all. Like the, the look of disgust when he's like, it's hella good with mayo. Like it's just so obvious. Well, you said it wasn't going to get aired so I could beat myself over here. Okay. (laughs) I just feel like we're robbing, we're robbing the listeners of just, there's so much personality coming here. And a little bit oh, of judgment. Okay, man. sorry, Chris. Go back to your really don't anyway, follow the delicious mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't mayonnaise that I was referring to. It was carrots, but you know, fine. Uh, anyway, had this delicious carrot salad. I'm done. And get the book. Figure it out for yourself. You don't need me anymore. Okay. All right, Mo, save us. Who's your Who's your don't follow? Uh, State of Flux. They're a, a local uh, clothing company out here in the Bay Area. Um, guys, they're all natives from here. Um, you know, it's a bunch, it's a crew of dudes and they sell a lot of their own stuff, a lot of hand-sewn products. Um, been in the business for a long time. It's good people. I'm wearing one of their shirts right now, as a matter of fact. Um, but yeah, good dudes. They make a lot of really dope stuff. I mean, if you want some cool gear made by some local cats that put a lot of love and effort into everything they do, go check out the boys at State of Flux. That's a great don't follow. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is like literally the shirt's the only thing we could see in the video, so that's fine. Oh, his reaction is the best. <laughs> God. Uh, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my fault y'all using what the hell is this? Zencaster? Hey man, no, it's not okay, my let me not, you're on a let me not talk about let me you're not on talk a about Samsung. The, the, or whatever it is. Uh, that you oh, oh man, I'm on the Samsung. So what? What do you want, huh? And so I, we're not talking about that anymore. Nah, that's okay. Because on my screen, you look like a pasty ghost. So I mean, you look like you're running in with the background, dog. No, that's, so I mean, that hey, I know. With you my a white, white shirt dude on. wearing a white shirt in a white room, motherfucker. You close your eyes, you disappear too. <laughs> He's almost clear. It's very opaque. Yeah, ass. They, they call me Casper. It's <laughs> very clear. Very Sorry, clear. I mean to be so aggressive. Uh, I love you. Right. Chris started it. It's okay. Um, we're gonna hug it out. So, Actually, I, I gotta be honest. Like Mo's Mo's hugs scare me. It's like it's the boxing hug in him. Like when he hugs, it's like he's like trying to stop you from punching him, but it's also out of love. It's pretty amazing. I just want you to feel me. I oh I do. <laughs> the other the other thing is like I come up to like the middle of ch- of Mo's chest. Mo's a very tall man, uh, and so when when I hug, I get smothered by his giant pecs. So you feel me? I do. That's a that's I a do. sign of a that's a good boxing technique. Like the bigger guys, especially when you're when you're fighting somebody smaller, you got to lean on them, and that's how you wear them down mm-hmm. as 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 well. So that was something I learned recently. Um, uh, and, and you know, and speaking of Anthony Bourdain, I'm actually reading Kitchen Confidential right now, which I had never read before. Oh, it's a fantastic uh, fucking book. It's it's so it's so good, and it's something that I mean, I've I think like most people, and and actually recently I think was the anniversary of his of his passing. You know, a, a lot of people looked up to him and and uh, admired him, and I certainly did via the show and stuff like that, and. 
but like reading this book is like you know it's it's really kind of cool but it's also at the same time it's kind of like it's like oh man yeah like all those issues that are popping up in our industry right now here they all are here are all the things that he's been talking about you know that that you know that we every three days there's another apology or explanation on instagram of what happened so um so yeah it's 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 really interesting that is not however my don't follow i mean i think everybody knows that you should eventually read that book um and get some insight into the industry but uh mine's a little bit more lighthearted this week and it is uh jay prehistoric pets um and it's just this guy who uh works and, and runs a a zoo and just and a lot of it is reptile based and he just he kind of had like a moment in the in the sun of where this big boa constrictor lunged at him and they got it on camera like it almost got him like he took his eyes off of it for a second and he kind of became like internet famous for a second uh but he continues to put out these really fun videos and things like that so if you're really into animals and and that it's just it's a good follow the guy's really entertaining as well so again it's uh jay's prehistoric pets and um it's uh it's it's really good before we move on from the don't follow one of the things that I wanted to bring up and, and talk with you guys about and, and Mo, you've referenced it a couple of times. So, you know, obviously you're down, you're down in San Francisco. We're up here in Sacramento, but you're coming up to Sacramento this weekend and you're coming up, uh, which I believe for, for Chris's event at, at good bottle, right. Which is going to mm-hmm. be the, the Juneteenth uh, celebration. And um, you know, this was, this was something that, that Chris did, did last year as well. And so I just want to, I want to open it up to you guys to, to talk about this and talk about, uh, you know, what's going to be the same, what's different, why it's significant. Um, so, so Chris, why don't I start with you? Cause it's your event. And then Mo will add you in for, for what your thoughts are as well. Uh, well, it is incredibly inappropriate for me to talk about Juneteenth. Um, I think, uh, what what I always wanted, I, as a bartender, I always wanted to have a Juneteenth celebration um, at the bar. It just seemed like a common fit. <clears throat> um, and I could never get a, a manager and owner on board. Uh, they always thought it was too uh, controversial for some reason. Um, and and definitely as an owner, I've I felt the stress of doing it the right way, but that has in no way ever made me want to like not do it. Um, and Mo, Mo coming up, most like, you know, I mean, most family, you know, so um, having him there um, just to, just to kick it and like offer support and also just be Mo and hang out um, mean, means a lot. Um and uh, for us, it's just about act is just about like talking with the community or listening to the community more, more so. Like I said, like it's it's inappropriate for me to talk about Juneteenth, but it's incredibly. Well, I think okay. on, on, so on our it, side, I mean, on our side, ta- it, it, it's it's a great reason for us to offer a platform for other people to share their stories. Well, OK, so then maybe, you know, I don't maybe don't get to that. We'll let. Mo feels more comfortable talking about. It. We can have him do it. But in terms of what you did last year for for the shop, and then what you're doing this year, like what what just in terms of the the store itself, what's making it different this Saturday as opposed to any other day that you would walk into the store? 
so uh, last year um, and this year, what we're doing is we're removing um, almost all the product off our shelves and we're putting up um, uh, products that are black owned. Uh, and th- this year, a little bit different. We've we've expanded to uh, BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous People of Color owned and produced um, products um, uh, for for several reasons. Not really worth stating here, but but really um, just to be more inclusive and to uh, extend the platform um, uh, as minor as it is uh, of the shelves that we have. So uh, we 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 replace not replace, but we highlight everything that we have on our uh, on our shelves and bring in additional product that is that is all uh, BIPOC owned and produced. Uh, and then we have a few artists who come in, um, uh, who display their art, enjoy their conversations. Uh, and then this year we're hoping, uh, to, to get a little bit of food in there. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit of ice cream. We'll see, uh, if we can, we can convince, uh, another local homie to show up. And, um, it's really just about having a good time and celebrating and being part of the community and sharing conversations and different conversations than we normally have. Okay. And so, so, well, like I said, you, you're, you're coming up for, for the event. Like what are, what are you looking forward to? What, um, you know, is it something that maybe you can explain to listeners who are maybe not familiar with the concept of Juneteenth or, and, and why it's relevant um, and hope, and maybe hoping what you're hoping to accomplish on Saturday? Uh, I mean, for me, it's just dope that like Chris is, is doing this again, asking me to do it again. Um, it's, it's always good when you have people that makes space for people. Um, I, I think that is, I, I, and I don't want to overspeak, but I think that any of the celebrations that go on in, in black culture is to try to make space and to have space to be safe and celebrate, you know, a, a part of all of our culture and all of our history that at times is something that is forgotten about or kind of just kind of pushed aside. Um, so for me, it's dope. Um, I get a chance to come down, um, bring some great spirits, talk about great spirits, and also to show people that not everyone in the industry looks a certain way. Because, you know, uh, it's one of those things that there aren't too many examples of myself that exist on this side of things or in the industry at all. Um, so it's it's we, we all know it's, it's a pretty white dominated uh, business, but, you know, then you have people like Chris that are like, you know what, I'm going to open my space up and I'm going to, you know, take ego out of it and just do something that's just right and nice with no other intention except for highlighting people of color and giving them the space to show like, yo, dope art. We got like food, like we had food last time. Um, it was the... Uh, it was Last Supper the, Society uh, who was there last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super dope. I mean, so it, it's a great event. So if anyone is in the area, if you're around, come down. You can actually meet the Talking Shadow. It's a really good time. <laughs> um, I, I, but but you know, all bullshit aside, for me, whenever I get a call from a fa- from a family member that's like, "Yo, man, I want to do something. What are you in? I'm always in." It could be Juneteenth, December teenth, whatever teenth. It doesn't matter because your intentions are always good and they're always in the right spot, man. So 
It's going to be fun. It's going to be hot, too. I'm be wearing shorts. I'm going to wear some short shorts, show off these hamstrings. Boy, I'm telling you, it's going to be popping. <laughs> we got, we got the air conditioner me. going, so that's that's at least we got Oh, okay. Well, maybe it won't be popping. That's fine. So, so Chris, I remember, I remember last year when you were, when you were planning, you know, this, this first, this first event and one of the conversations that, that we had had was, was simply just finding products that were black owned. And I know, like you said, you've, you've expanded, you've expanded the parameters a, a little bit here, but now knowing like what you were working towards and knowing that you were going to do this event again, um, has it been easier this year to find to find those those types of products? Has it been harder? Have there been new challenges that have popped up with kind of the expansion of the uh, of the of the parameters? Or like, what's what has that experience been like for you as an owner? Because I know that you know one of the things that that we talked about was like you know you you were it was very difficult last year, but at the same time it was the first time that you had ever asked you know. So yeah. it was like you weren't asking them for them before, so it made it even harder. Now, like you've you've had this stuff, you've established these things. Um, what what's it been like this year in preparation for for Juneteenth? Um, uh, I will say a modicum easier, uh, and the only the only reason being is because we did it last year, and so this year we had a few people reach out to us and say. Yo, I just I just had this awesome brand, or I just I just met this person. Uh, are you going to do it again this year? You should talk to them. Um, so that little piece was a little bit easier. Um, what was just as hard was a lot of people sending me those um, uh, those suggestions, and then um, unless here's here's the really weird. It's, it's not like people run around the world screaming out their their ethnicity and their race right like it's right it's not you know it, it despite the way that social media and and you know um fox news makes it seem like that there aren't people running around just going i'm black i'm black i'm black i'm white i'm white i'm white you know well there's a lot of white people going out there going saying i'm white but um it it the the average human being right just goes about black, their black, life black, and just black. does their work right and so it's like okay cool like you had this dope wine from this uh person of color and then and and then i'm like looking it up i'm i'm like rad this this person looks like they're japanese though like but i can't do, do i call them and say hey i'm doing this event are are you black like that's really fucked up thing to do. Like you can't. Like that's it's a strange that's, conversation. It's for not. Sure. It's totally unacceptable. It's not like. Let the, me do it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hold on. Hey, what's hey? Because I can tell. But as soon as they say something, they're gonna give me a. Like, all I need is a, like a sentence a or a last name, and I got it. There's like, like nah, you call them on mm. like, hello, this is Mo. I'm part like, of the Good Outreach Director. It's like it's not like the reality of it, right? And like and. And so talking, talking to a lot of the family, a lot of the homies just out there and being like, hey, like this, like we're reaching out to people who are like Puerto Rican, you know, a majority and everybody's everybody in a lot of people in America, we're all mutts, right? So we're all mixed with with different nationalities and different ethnicities at this point in time, um, which is a beautiful thing, um, uh, which is the reason that we really wanted to sort of be less restrictive with, with our, our, our selection. Not that we want to um, remove any of 
any of the uh, uh, highlighting, um, but rather uh, a uh, my inability to be able to. Um, I don't. I don't even know what to say, but my inability to to have that conversation, which is my fault. Um, but then also wanting to be able to create space, like Mo said, um, and allow other people to have those conversations, and for me to be able to sit back and listen and just enjoy being part of the community um, and just celebrating with people and dancing and laughing and 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 talking and hearing stories that I haven't heard. Um, and learning more it's just you know we just wanted to create something that was just bigger and better than than what already exists well i'm i'm looking forward to it for you guys and i really hope that you know any of our listeners who who find themselves in in sacramento on saturday make their way down to good bottle and see it i know last year when i was able to go it was a pretty striking image to see just so few bottles on the shelf you know, because of yeah. uh, just like the lack of the lack of representation that we have in our industry. And I think that, um, well, I think that that's part of the message, you know, all in its own right as well. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, oh, when totally. you walk into and a I, bottle and shop that, and you see and that, I think it's, like, it's, it's striking and it has its own, it ha- that has its own story that has its own message to it as well. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, and I, and I totally get it. And I, and I, and I know that this was one thing that we talked about where, you know, sometimes, uh, especially in today's climate, you're kind of like, well, where can I fit in where, where I'm actually effective, you know, and it's not just like virtue signaling or anything like that, where it's just kind of like, like, well, how do we improve this conversation and, and stuff. And I remember at the time where it's like, I'm such a strong, you know, advocate for, you know, for Mexican owned spirits and things like that, where it's like, well, I could also do that here. And I could also, you know, give, give that voice, uh, or just, or, lend my platform to to somebody else kind of be like hey they're making really dope stuff and i was able to be uh exposed to a lot of different brands over over the past year and like always looking for new things always looking for new influences and experiences because ultimately that's what i love about the industry that we're in is that everybody you know like whether you're a producer or you know distributor brand rep like whatever the case is is like we all have these unique stories and then like a lot of these spirits tell stories from different cultures and stuff like that you know whether it is the Georgian wine that I work with or the Charanda from Mexico or this, you know, or this wine that's coming out of Sonoma. Like there's all these different stories that you can tell like through spirits and wines and just alcohol in general. So I think it's, I, I I'm disappointed that I'm leaving this weekend, but I'm also really excited because I know it's going to be a really great, great event. And, um, and again, hopefully what's, uh, what are the hours for, for this Saturday? Just open to close at 11 to six or uh, 11 to seven, 11 to seven on Saturday. 11 to seven. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be a good time. And then uh, I'm also going to get a shout out. Uh, um, We are showcasing some of their beer, uh, but afterwards we're going to, we're going to usher everybody over to Oak Park Brewery um, because they're having a big Juneteenth celebration on Saturday as well. And they're going a little bit later than we are. Um, And Raj, uh, the, uh, the head brewer is dope, really knows his stuff, makes really fantastic beer and uh, is just sort of like a, a fun guy to be around. So we're going to go over there after, after we're done at good bottle and we're going to support him a little bit too. So that's rad. Sounds like a drunk Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be gleeful. <clears throat> Book in my room tonight. Just don't, just don't forget to fill up my little 50 ml with some good mezcal. Okay. He was already, oh, he was already showing them off before. See, he's got them sitting next to him already ready for you, Drew. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna leave some. We'll do some trades so you can make sure that you don't walk away empty handed. Yeah, I'll leave them for you. Shit, hell yeah. Name like on it. There we go. Friendship. The music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated beautifully by Leon and Chase Moore and produced quite awkwardly by me and Drew. Uh, And before we go and kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Good Bottle Podcast or on our personal accounts. Mine is dgarrison6. Chris is Chris and Flair. Mo, where can they find you on on, uh, social media? Um, So if you type in Mo Cock, I'm the first guy to come up. Um, Some dead serious. My Instagram handle is Mo Cocktails. I shit you not. If you think I'm lying, do it. You'll find me. Mo Cock. Mario Chosevel Brooks. That's me, baby. Mo Cocktails. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that literally is. I, I say that to people. They're like, you know, you're lying. I'm like, then they die. They're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's real easy. Oh, my God. Well, you can also support the podcast by visiting our Etsy shop. Just look for Good Bottle Podcast. You can yourself be a self-proclaimed uh, booze expert. And uh, you can also visit anchor.fm slash goodbottlepodcast. And we're going to take some of that money and we're going to buy Chris some bronzer so that way he stands out against his background in the future episodes. <laughs> What's really fucked up is I'm uh, I'm very Italian, and if I actually get sun, I get a little bit of a tan on me. But it, I think the last year, just being the last year, I've been stuck inside, and I uh, I clearly need to fucking go to Hawaii or some shit. Jesus Christ, Mo's not wrong. Uh, if you would like for us to cover a story, or if you are on a brand that uh, wants to be featured, please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail dot com. Because guess what, guys, Drew actually checks that email now. I check it very routinely because I also send emails from it. So That's right. I'm, I'm smart like that. Uh, so, and as a reminder, you can purchase the bottles that we drink on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com. And until next time, cheers. Cheers, motherfuckers. Don't touch yourself. Don't tell me what to do. I'll be there Saturday. Yee!